Hello, I'm Lisa Lewin. Welcome to the latest episode of the CFA UK In Conversation podcast. This is the show for investment professionals focusing on a range of topics and interesting insights that are affecting the profession today. In this episode, I'm talking about the art and practice of building authentic professional relationships with Elisa Grafton, partner at Depinna. Elisa is the author of the book Great Networking, where she inspires and guides us through the process of connecting with others. Elisa, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Lisa. It's wonderful to be here. Could we begin with you telling us a bit about your own networking journey and how it's helped you in your professional life? Yes, absolutely, Lisa, and this is a great place to start. Networking has always been a huge part of my professional success. And in fact, I attribute a lot of personal relationships that I have, as well as important professional relationships to my networking efforts. And it all started when I first arrived into the UK, found a job in the legal sector, and I realized that without having an existing network of people who can support you, who can promote you, who can sponsor you, and who can just be there for you to bounce ideas off. It makes your professional career journey a lot more difficult. And this is when I also became quite clear about my own lack of the existing network. Because as it is in the legal industry, but I'm sure that it reflected, um, the situation that reflected in other industries, um, a lot depends on where you've come from, whether you sort of created your networks in your university um, years or even at school, or perhaps through your parents or family connections. It is more difficult for those who come from the outside, be it sort of culturally, geographically, or in any other way. And I effectively had no other choice but to uh, initially join other networks and seek out networks that represented my values. I uh, became part of networks, also ran some networks, and it very much became uh, a part of my career journey, which eventually uh, led to stronger client relationships or creating client relationships first and strong client relationships. And something that's also uh, brought incredible individuals into my life who became both uh, both professional and personal friends. And it all um, eventually um, became the idea behind the book because I felt that I wanted to share that knowledge of the importance to create networks and um, effective, um, mutually trusting relationship with other people outside of our personal life, but also to basically take the same passion into our professional lives. One of the themes that came through in your book, which I really enjoyed reading, by the way, is that when we're thinking about networking, we should be mindful that long-lasting professional relationships are built on trust and mutual benefits. And we should think about giving and then receiving. Could you tell us more about that? I um, wrote my book based on my experience and I inject a lot of my story into the book because I felt that it's, um, probably one of its most interesting aspects is that it comes from a practitioner rather than from someone who is a learned adopter of networking theory, if you like. But at the same time, I felt that my experience and the experience of the audience who I wrote the book for would not be complete if I'm not to share um, what I have learned from other people that I refer to as master networkers in my book. And what you've just mentioned really is something that becomes very apparent when you start spending time with people who are very good at being magnets for others, creating these networks, connecting on a deeper level with others. 
And these are not just sort of random uh, day-to-day connections. They're, these are the connections that build businesses, uh, develop businesses, bring uh, clients, and ultimately create a more successful life. And that feature that I've realized was really standing out for, for me was the idea that the, the generosity, ultimate generosity, all of the people, regardless of how senior they are in the profession, we're talking sort of managing partners or, for example, big law firms, founders of um, um, very successful companies. So people who generally uh, do not have a lot of spare time, but always strikes me is just how accessible they are, in fact, when you're looking for genuine advice. And this idea is that if you're prepared to give your time, your expertise, your wisdom, your uh, view, if you're being asked, then you will receive back. But if you're not prepared to start your journey or actually carry on your journey with that kind of openness to give, then it's unlikely that you can, can expect the same back. So I've very early on, I've realized that I need to be open to give my time, my expertise, my advice, um, connect, um, you know, whenever I can connect people with other people, uh, because this comes back uh, to you tenfold. So it's sort of, it's a very natural kind of exchange of energy, if you like. And I know it sounds a little bit tree huggy new age, but it does work. And then both my experience and the experience of many other people, everyone, in fact, that I spoke to who've been very successful professionally have said the same thing. And in fact, the uh, um, founder of um, Business Networking International, uh, Dr. Ivan Meisner, who has uh, given his thumbs up uh, very kindly from, to my book, he's the one who uh, promotes this idea of giver's gain. So you have to be prepared to be a giver in order to gain something back. That's really insightful and useful. Thank you. So let's turn to some practical tips. In your book, you talk about how we should see networking events as a playground, and you talk about how to read the room. Can you give us some tips? Let's say we're at a conference, we've just walked into a networking area, and we don't see anyone we know. How should we approach this? Oh, you know, even thinking of this scenario (laughs) gives me goosebumps, and I'm sure it gives a lot of people goosebumps. I'm quite realistic about recognizing and acknowledging the fact that it is not easy even for a practice networker who enjoys other people's company and is more of an extrovert like myself. This is just not an easy scenario. So I think the first thing, be kind to yourself. Acknowledge that no matter how confident you are in person, you will have these nerves. And I think if you almost do not have these nerves, <laughs> you know, there is something to say about actually the value of these interactions that you're about to have to you as a person. So I think just being conscious of and acknowledging that it takes effort. It takes psychological, physical effort, you know, mental effort to get to know other people, to walk into this room full of strangers. So the first step is just acknowledge that it's you are going to be out of your comfort zone it is going to feel scary. Some days scarier than others, depending on probably your level of energy generally, you know, uh, what your mind is occupied with. And secondly, and it kind of probably follows on from this first tip, is that a lot of people would be feeling the same way. A lot of us are very good at wearing masks where we appear confident, you know, where we feel whether if, if someone who doesn't know us bumps into us, then we might give these um, air of someone who is completely in control. But a lot of people in these kind of circumstances are crumbling inside. So I think um, perhaps the easiest and, and sometimes the most effective way you can do is just to find 
in this room full of strangers, another person who might be sitting by themselves, feeling like there's, you know, you know, in need of someone to save them, you know, the conversation. And just strike um, a conversation that um, is otherwise known as a um, icebreaker. I dedicated a chapter in my book to uh, what's known as small talk because I'm a huge fan of first engaging in small talk. I have my own sort of love-hate relationship for developing relationship with small talk. But I now realize that this is an incredibly important tool for getting to know the priorities of the person in front of you better. Just kind of um, using it not only just to fill in that silence, you know, the uncomfortable silence, talk about the event, the weather, the, the transport problems, but just find out a little bit more about the person. What are they bringing up first? Are they talking about the children? Are they talking about their job? Are they talking about pets? Are they talking about their recent holidays? And all of these things allows you then to use this kind of initial interaction as a hook to develop the conversation. And I suppose the next stage in, every, in any connection is developing of that conversation. You know, perhaps finding the common grounds. It may be any of what I have listed or something else. But I think once you have felt that you have this common ground, you are only way to develop a slightly more, um, well, a conversation that can lead to a stronger connection. Um, so I, I would say actually these four points, acknowledge the discomfort, the stage, and the initial sort of fear that you might inevitably feel. Then nonetheless, progress to meet someone who is, who looks like they may be in your situation, your position, standing by themselves and open to an interaction. Engage in a small talk. Don't be afraid to explore a little bit in order to find those common grounds and then progress into using those common grounds to develop a conversation so that your interaction and all of your, you know, all of your nerves are not wasted on kind of just going through this incessant conversation that did not lead to anything. So just having these four points in mind, I think, would probably serve any newcomer well. Thanks, Elisa. Those are really useful tips and it's good to have that four point formula that we can all follow. So what about ending the conversation with someone? Let's say we've had a nice time talking to them, but it's time to move on so we can speak to other people. What's the best way to exit that conversation? It's a great question because it brings into the fore something that a lot of people find difficult. And ending the conversation is a very important skill because it allows us to focus on bridging this gap between a fledging relationship, fledging connection, onto a deeper relationship. My advice is usually to focus on um, the idea that every conversation, no no matter how fascinating, engaging it is, has three parts to it. The beginning, the middle, and the end. And the idea here is to go through all of these three uh, parts like a pro. So we start with a small talk, and then we go um, into a more engaged conversation on the topics of our mutual interest with the interlocutor or the person that we're speaking to. And then inevitably comes the end of this conversation. So this... um, this idea of three-part interaction should really inform you um, to uh, make sure that you move, move on the conversation to that essential third part. And what I have found personally most effective and yet graceful 
is to first and foremost to acknowledge towards the end of the conversation that that meeting was useful, pleasant. Um, the conversation was um, of interest to you, has probably enlightened you, or the other person's thinking was important to you. Just say something along the lines of, um, it was wonderful meeting you, I really enjoyed our conversation, or I'd love to develop this conversation further. <clears throat> and that acknowledgement anchoring that fact then brings you on to building um, on this and perhaps arranging for a further meeting or some other form of follow-up. Now, the specific follow-up will depend on exactly how perspective you see this connection. If this is something that you want to uh, take um, to a new level and develop a closer relationship quite quickly, then uh, feel free to suggest making plans um, then, then, um, otherwise, um, you could just um, connect on, suggest that you connect on either social media, exchange emails, and then follow up, necessarily follow up on what you have suggested uh, you would do. And having these two strategies in mind, or two elements of the same strategy of ending any conversation gracefully, acknowledging that it was good, interesting, and that you want to follow up, will put you in a good stead to reach this often awkward moment of how to take a fledging connection into actually working efficient and authentic relationship. Thanks, Elisa. It can be awkward moving from one conversation to the next, but you've given us some really great tips there on how to do that graciously and also with maximum impact in terms of building that relationship. Most of us are now working in hybrid working environments, splitting our time between the office and home. What challenges do you see in creating networks in these environments? Well, we are living in unprecedented times, whereas a couple of years ago, most of us were working from home entirely. And so, so the virtual communication was the way to do it. Um, now we sort of, you know, sometimes we are communicating face to face. Sometimes we are getting to know other people virtually. Personally, um, I find the virtual communication just does not um, substitute, in all fullness, face-to-face -face communication. It's, um, you know, I think it's incredibly useful to get to know people, um, you know, that way. And I have indeed started a lot of interactions, um, a lot of very important relationships in my life virtually, whether through LinkedIn, through, you know, initially meeting people in video calls. It's all great. I think you would just need to understand as human beings, kind of seeing that um, talking head on our screen is a great opportunity to begin something. But it, you know, inevitably should be, should lead to face-to-face -face, um, communication. So when we are, uh, what I have also learned from, um, especially being thrown as most of us into these virtual calls, virtual coffee, virtual drinks, virtual meeting, virtual everything, I've learned that you have to know exactly what it is that you are looking to derive from these meetings. In the context, context of virtual networking, it makes things a lot more difficult because the idea of a small talk you know, what we've discussed and trying to find those, you know, learn a little bit more about the person in front of you. It just does not work really um, virtually. Uh, you can probably ask a couple of questions about what the person has been up to recently, you know, but it, 
it's it will look a very forced if you then go into your do you have any pets do you have any children so it's 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 just not the same you know this the classical structure of networking does not work so what i have learned uh really helps is knowing exactly what you're looking to get say you have come to a networking event virtual networking event to meet certain people then I think your objective should be to target those people and you shouldn't be ashamed, you know, admit it to yourself that that's what you're doing. This is, these are the rules of a virtual networking. Go and meet the, the people, ask them specific questions and do not hesitate to take the relationship to the next level. I think that there is a very um, finite use of virtual uh, networking and it should be one, two meetings at most and then it should be taken offline. So the rules are know exactly what you want from this because it's not going to allow you an opportunity just to naturally get to know the person and aim to take things offline as quickly as possible. Thanks, Elisa. I actually haven't experienced a virtual networking event myself, but I can imagine that it's much harder. And, and I agree that virtual communications are not a substitute for face-to-face meetings, but you've given us some really good tips there in terms of being more targeted and then as soon as possible, taking it to the next level, perhaps arranging a coffee or, or something like that, I guess. Exactly that. A network isn't built overnight. What tips can you give to nurture your network for the longer term? The temptation is to um, view every interaction, every meeting, especially if it's um, the one with someone that you've been looking to um, meet for a while, as it. and. When it comes to human interactions, again, in my experience, uh, the more we find out about each other, the more, um, hopefully, it, the more we start trusting another person, the more mutual connection develops. And this is not something that you can, um, you know, it, it, there is no expedited process for this. There is no f- way to fast track a connection. And that is why no matter how tempting it could be in this day and age of everything being kind of, you know, on tap and being done kind of immediately uh, and working to a deadline. There is no way to speed up this process of getting to know someone. You have to invest. And I know this this might come, you know, um, this might feel really frustrating for those of us, of us who have a set goal and looking to work to that set goal. Unfortunately, relationships, unfortunately, relationships do not work in that way. We have to invest um, time and the, and the intention as well. I know a lot of us are starved for time and time is the, kind of the most precious commodity. But I think when the intention is there to uh, develop relationship to um, or, or any connection that you have to develop it, a connection into a relationship and 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 then to work through um, this kind of you know, mutual collaboration or, you know, mutual uh, professional benefit that you can offer to each other. This is, you know, this is something that you have to see as a long-term goal, which requires short-term, um, but short, short-term intentions. So, and I think that this is very important to bear in mind. You have to have short-term intentions with a long-term goal. That's a great phrase for us to remember, short-term intentions with a long-term goal. And that's the thing that really comes across in your book as well this idea of building relationships over the long term. Okay, so we're coming to the end of the podcast. If you're interested in reading Elisa's book, and personally I found it really useful and enjoyable, 
The book is entitled Great Networking, The Art and Practice of Building Authentic Professional Relationships. I'd like to take this opportunity to highlight that CFA UK's Soft Skills Working Group, which I'm part of, will be holding a live event on networking on Tuesday the 1st of November at 6.30pm in London. Elisa will very kindly be giving a presentation at that event, and there will also be a Q&A. And in keeping with the theme of the event, there will be a chance for some networking with drinks afterwards. I hope you can make it. You can sign up via the CFA UK events webpage. Thank you to everyone for listening. And thanks so much, Elisa, for being our guest on this podcast. Thank you, Elisa. And I really enjoyed speaking to you today. And thank you for very interesting and engaging questions. And likewise, I'm very much looking forward to presenting face-to-face this time on the 1st of November to the CFA UK. Thank you. Remember to look out for the next episode of our In Conversation podcast through the usual CFA UK email and social media channels. You can also subscribe so that you don't miss an episode through CFA UK's SoundCloud channel or Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm.